good morning. I think they're going to just show a few slides of the announcements just so that you can see. That was Pedro and Jode enjoying, enjoying sunny South Africa. We love them and we dislike them just a little bit this morning <laughs> for enjoying the sunny weather. But, I mean, these guys, they serve with all of their hearts every single week. They are here giving of themselves, giving of their lives, giving of their love to this community. And they're just really enjoying this time with family. They had baby Cohen in October. And so they're showing off their baby to all of Jode's family and all of their loved ones there. So we're so happy for them. They're going to be there two more weeks enjoying the sun. Today, Pedro sent a photo to us early in the morning and he said, guys, we arrived at Riverside already, <laughs> a slightly different Riverside. And we sent them uh, a video of what the weather looked like here and so we, we said enjoy these last two weeks for you and for us um but good morning everyone's happy we're a cozier group this is what it means to be part of an international uh church it gets to these seasons of the year and everybody kind of travels home and goes to be with their loved ones but you are here i am here and god is here and i believe that god has a word for us this morning and i just want to pray that we will open up our hearts that god can speak to us that god can move in our midst and that today we can bring him glory in this place um so my family we had christmas yesterday and uh, we were over 20 people. Um, my family, there's, we're all girl cousins. There wasn't any boys in our family. And so eventually we all got married. We're kind of the same age. And then the children started to come. And we all started to have kids. And so now when the family gets together, we're almost outnumbered by the children. And so it is a loud, loud Christmas. But because it's confusing and it's loud and there's a lot of people, my dad had the brilliant idea that this year we were going to cater our Christmas and we weren't going to go through the confusion of having to cook and so he had it all catered everything was lined up and then about Wednesday or Thursday the caterer calls my dad and says uh, so I got COVID and uh, catering cancelled <laughs> which was a sad thing for my dad and for those who think it's a confusion for me uh, there's nothing like grandma's cooking and so I was I was happy inside I had one job to contribute to this meal was to bring bread for everyone and I failed at my one job <laughs> and stores are closed on Christmas so I really had no solution they were like Gabby you had one job you had to bring bread and at a Portuguese table for those who don't know bread is a is a big deal and so we didn't have it, but we enjoyed time together. And, um, and I don't know about you, but I felt like leading up to Christmas, my one mission was not to get COVID. That's all I had to do so that I could enjoy time with friends. I could enjoy this season with my family. But lots of people were getting COVID, and I was, I was following this, this caterer who we hired. Um, she's one of our friends, and so I was following her Christmas on social media. And uh, she was not happy. <laughs> she was isolated. She was home, absolutely alone. She, it was just her and her phone and her own cooking. Um, and, and some of us know what that's like. Maybe not at Christmas time, but I'm sure that all of us here, at one point or another, we've had to go through isolation. Whether because we got COVID or because we were in touch with somebody, we've had to quarantine. Even if you've traveled, if you've gone um, to a different country where you had to do a 14-day quarantine. or We've all been through that. And um, I, we had to isolate back in 2020. Ruben got COVID. 
And uh, we didn't isolate from each other, but we isolated as a family and we were home. And for those of you who know me well, or even not so well, you will know that uh, I love people. I love to be with people. I am energized by people. I just want to be with people all the time. And usually I'm dragging my family to every celebration and every party. When so many of you were here on uh, Christmas Eve and you were celebrating, I was asking for the photos because last week I asked Blessing, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, and she gave a very selfless answer of making people happy. And I was thinking if I had a superpower, it would be to be in two places at once. Actually, five places at once, probably. <laughs> Just so I could be with more people. Um, and so isolation for me was difficult. Isolation for me was the worst thing. Uh, I remember that week we had a trip to Germany booked and we were gonna travel. We had a wedding of our, our friend Tyler was getting married. We had everything booked and lined up and we had to watch the wedding on video because we couldn't go. Uh, it was Jamil's 30th birthday and we had organized a bonfire night and we had organized a special present for her that we all chipped in and it was gonna be such a nice time. And then I got to watch pictures of the bonfire at home. <laughs> and it was heartbreaking because of that distance and that I couldn't share with other people. I couldn't be with other people. And maybe you relate to that, even if you don't love to be with people as much as I do. Maybe you're more of an introvert, but you can, you can relate a little bit to what it's like to be distanced from people, to what it's like not to be able to share life with people, to what it's like not to, not to have the freedom or the option of being with others and sharing your life with others and sharing the good times and also sharing the not so good times. And we're going to go into a story today about a few people that knew all too well what it was like to be isolated. They knew all too well what it was like not to be able to share life with others, all too well what it was like not just to not be able to share life with others, but to feel rejected by others because of fear of infection and fear of them being contagious. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. We're going to read this passage, um, and then we're just going to dissect it a little bit. It says in verse 11, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. God, I pray that through this passage that you will speak to us. Through this true story of history where we see the encounter of your son with ten very real humans. God, I pray that you will speak into our lives and you will reveal your heart to us in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So 10 guys, 
they had leprosy and um, I am not at all trying to equate COVID to leprosy, but at, at least we know a little bit since the pandemic came into our lives and became a reality, we know what it's like to have health be a, a, a primary preoccupation for us. We know what it's like that if somebody has something contagious, we have to distance them immediately. We have to quarantine them immediately. And so back then, well, it, was, it was much the same way. That if people started to, if the sores started to appear on their skin, and even the hint of something like leprosy, they were immediately taken out of society. And it was a, it was a slow physical death because there was no intervention. There was no um, medications that, that could be um, given to these people. And so they just had to wait as their bodies would slowly deteriorate, as, as they started to, their sores started to get worse, the smell would get worse. Everything about their physical state just slowly got worse and worse. And it was a slow physical death, but it was an immediate cultural, emotional, and social death. It was immediate. It didn't matter if they were fathers. It didn't matter if they were mothers. It didn't matter if they had a high status in society or a low status in society. It didn't matter if they were leaders or if they were followers, if they were religious or if they weren't. Immediately, the moment that the skin disease was identified on their skin, they were immediately taken off and isolated. And they were forbidden to come close. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, it, it, the law of Moses kind of stipulated what the protocol was if people um, appeared to have leprosy. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. In other translations, it says they just have to uncover, leave their heads uncovered. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside of camp. And so if you can imagine with me for a second, if we can try to just put ourselves in their shoes for a second, what the separation must have felt like, that, that immediately the moment that this is identified on your body, that immediately you're taken out from the rest of society with no hope of going back in, with no hope of being reunited with your children. That's it. The children that you gave birth to, the, the projects that you started, the, the dreams that you had for your career and your profession just ended in one moment because you've been identified with something that's about to kill you. And not only did these men have to endure this, this heartache of being separated from everyone that they loved, but they had to announce the separation every day. They had to publicly announce wherever they went the hardest thing that ever happened to them. They had to shout out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And can you imagine that every time they shouted this word, a little bit more of their sense of self-worth just left the room. It was as if every time they shouted, somebody was jabbing them right in the heart. Unclean, unclean. And I think so many people to an extent, whether you're in this room or even outside of church, people are shouting to the world, the things that they are most ashamed of. Don't come near me because I'm unworthy. Don't come near me because I'm insufficient. And whether society has labeled them that or whether they have labeled themselves, they feel such a shame for what has happened in their lives. They feel such a heartache in their own hearts that they are shouting to the world, don't come near me. And so you invite them to church. No, come to church. It's a really great place. People love you. No, no, you don't want to get near me. You don't know what's happening in my life. 
I'm unclean, I'm insufficient, I'm unworthy. And sometimes it's the church that kicks people out. Sometimes it's the church that quarantines people. Sometimes it's the church that says, no, don't you come in here with that lifestyle. Don't you come in here with that, that kind of sinful way of, of living. Don't you come in here with those habits. Don't you come in here with those addictions. You're unclean. This is a place for the clean. This is a place for those who are worthy of God. And it couldn't be further from the truth. So many people walking around this life as if they're shouting unclean. And their identity becomes firmed in their sickness. You see, these guys, they, they no longer had it. It, would never, it didn't even matter if they were gifted. It didn't matter what kind of personalities they had. It didn't matter what they'd achieved in the past. All that mattered in their lives now was their sickness. And so many people have forgotten that they were made in the image of God. So many people have, have no idea of the value that Jesus has placed on their lives because all that they can see is the state of their sickness. All that they can see is the sin and, and the things that are in the circumstances of their lives. And it is the job of the church to bring a renewed identity to them. It is the job of the church to say that you were created in the image of God and it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in you are a son and you are a daughter of God. And so these guys, they're isolated and they're in quarantine. They're in this difficult circumstance. And they, they didn't know who Jesus was. I mean, they had no idea that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus is the Savior. They had no idea of who this man was. But the Bible says that they shouted out to him. They shouted out to him and they said, have mercy on us. And maybe, maybe they had heard about the guy in Luke chapter 5. There's a guy in Luke chapter 5 that also had leprosy and Jesus has an encounter with him. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, then heal me. And Jesus, Jesus touches him and he says, I am willing. And he heals him immediately. This man is rid of leprosy. And so these guys... These guys must have heard of Luke chapter 5. These guys must have heard of that other guy that Jesus healed of leprosy. And they're saying, man, if Jesus did it with him, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus could work in my life. Maybe, just maybe, this Jewish healer, he could, he could touch me and he could transform me and, and he could rid me of this disease and I could have my life back. The Bible says in Luke 5.15, the report of his power. Right after he healed this man, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. That is the power of testimony. That is the power of storytelling. That, that if people saw what, what Jesus did in Luke chapter 5, that maybe in Luke chapter 17, Jesus could do the same. And I pray this morning, we're going to have a time of sharing later on after the, after the message where we just want to hear from a few people. And I want to hear from you if God, if God moves in your heart to share of what he has done. That's the power of testimony. That as people start to see what God has done in your lives, that they will be so inspired that, hey, maybe if God did this in Jamil's life, maybe he could do it in mine. I don't even know who that God is. I don't even know who that Jesus is that you say you worship. But whatever he did in your life, I want it too. And that you could live your life in such a way that as people see the testimony of your journey, that even though they don't know Jesus, that they could be curious about him. And that they too could call out to him, Jesus, have mercy on me. The way that you've reconciled that person 
The way that you reconciled their marriage when it was at the brink of ending. The way that you healed their sickness. The way that you provided in their finances. The way that you made a way. The way that that person has peace when the circumstances are so difficult. The way that they took a step of faith and God, you answered the power of their testimony. God, if, the, if you exist, have mercy on me. Will you do the same with me? And so they, they have nothing to lose. These guys have nothing to lose and they call out to him. And then in verse 14, the next verse, it says that Jesus looked at them. Can you imagine this moment? Ten lepers, they're in a group and they call out to Jesus. And the Bible says that his reaction was to look at them. Now, these guys, they probably endured so much rejection in their life. And maybe, maybe you've walked by somebody that, that is begging on the street or somebody who's, who's a cripple and, and they're asking for help. And usually we try not to make eye contact. If we can't help them, we, we try to just kind of walk by. And, and so these guys, they were used to that. They were used to people just ignoring them. They were used to people just turning their eyes away. They were used to people just not even getting anywhere close to them at the fear of being infected with whatever they had. But the Bible says that Jesus looks at them. He sees them. And the word says in Romans 10, 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter whether they were Jewish or not. It didn't matter whether they were rich or poor. It didn't matter their backgrounds. It didn't matter what they'd done in their lives. It didn't matter their circumstances. What matters is that Jesus looked at them. They called upon his name and he sees them and he cares for them. And notice how they were united in their common misfortune. We don't really know other than knowing that one of them was a Samaritan. We don't know much about them. We don't know if they were educated, if they were not, if some of them were leaders, if some of them were fathers. We don't know much about them, but we see that in this moment, they're together. In this moment, they come to Jesus in their common misery, begging him for mercy. And it's a parallel of what the church is today. It's a parallel of how in the church, all of our hierarchies, they fall apart. In the church, our labels fall apart. In the church, nationalities don't matter. In the church, the language that you speak doesn't matter because when we come before him in worship, we are together saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. The Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. The same distance between me and Jesus is the same distance between you and Jesus. Jesus is our mediator to the Father and all who believe in his name will be saved. All who call upon him will be saved. And when you come into this church, it doesn't matter if you're eloquent in your prayers or if, or if you just are praying for the first time. It doesn't matter if you don't even know how to pray. What matters is Jesus. What matters is his power. What matters is his love that is unconditional. The focus is on him and not on ourselves. In the church, we're all sinners. And we're all in need of a savior. And then verse 14. The Bible says that Jesus looks at them. And this next, this next part is so important. And we can't miss the depth 
in the power of this verse. You see, in Luke chapter 5, if we, if we go back to that story, this is what it says in, in, in verse 14. Jesus heals the man. He touches the man. He heals them. He's immediately cleansed in the presence of everybody who was there to, to see it. And then Jesus tells him, now go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So he heals him. He, he touches him. He heals him. He's immediately made well. And then Jesus says, now go to the priest. And this was, Jesus was following protocol. We have all kinds of protocol today of if you have COVID, what you should do, what number you should call, where you should isolate, how many days you should isolate. And then after you isolate, if you want to get back into society, rules have changed back and forth. But usually you have to do a test and you have to, to, to test negative, not positive. Um, and then you can get back into society once you are clean, once you're not so contagious. And so the medicine wasn't as evolved back then. <laughs> and so what they had to do, the protocol back then, was if you are well, you go to the priest. The priest will examine you, kind of like your PCR test. The priest will examine you and say, okay, you're clean. You can go back into society. And so Jesus tells this leper in Luke chapter 5, you're clean. Go and tell the priest that he may examine you and let you go back. And this will be a public testimony. But now in Luke chapter 17, something's missing here. And if I was one of the ten, I'd be, I'd be a little confused right now. Because they call out to Jesus. Jesus looks at them from afar and then says, now go to the priest and let them examine you. Wait, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, where's the part where you touch me? Where's the part where you made me well? Where's the part where, where I'm, all these sores just magically go away? Where's the part where I start to feel better? You see, their circumstances hadn't changed. There was no evidence of the miracle, and yet Jesus is directing them in the direction of their testimony. Jesus says, now go to the priest as if they had already been healed. And so Jesus says, if you will just start obeying me, if you will just walk the path of obedience, then you will receive the promise of my blessing. And yet too often... Too often, we're sitting there and, and, and we're asking God to do something in our lives. And, and Jesus says, okay, now, now go. Obey me. Take a step of faith. Go and, and do the things I'm prompting you to, to do. And yet we're stuck and we're saying, okay, Jesus, well, when you bless me, when you do the miracle, then, then, then I'll go. God, when you do the miracle in my life, then I'll follow you. God, if, if you do this for me, then I'll go to church all the time. God, if you do this for me, then I'll be faithful for my with my tithes. God, if you, if, you give me, if you give me this job I'm looking for, if you give me the spouse, if you give me the baby I'm asking for, God, if you just come through in my request, then I will obey you, and then I will testify of your goodness. Meanwhile, God, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus turns to these men without, their, without there being any evidence of the miracle, and Jesus says, now go and testify that you are clean. And I'm wondering if, if God is asking us to just walk. And I really believe that this is a word that, that God has spoken for 2022. Will we just walk the path of obedience? Will we be faithful? You see, because as they started to walk, though there was no evidence, the evidence started to change. The circumstances started to change. The Bible says, that as they walked, they were made clean. As they went, 
they were cleansed. As they obeyed, the blessing came. The change came. And that's just faith, isn't it? Hebrews 11, 1, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for for and the evidence of things not seen. And I want to give these 10 men some credit because oftentimes we, we only give credit to the one who came back and said thank you. But I want to give all 10 of them credit in this moment because all of them took the step of faith of going to the priest. None of them saw the evidence. None of them were immediately clean. And instead of sitting there complaining to Jesus, no, well, I want what you did with Luke chapter 5, they just went. They started walking. And as they went, they become cleansed. Will we too walk the path of obedience? Will we too walk in the direction of our testimony? And as you go, the circumstances may change. And as you go, God will start to do a work in your life. As you go, the situations around you will change because that's what obedience does. Obedience unleashes the miracle power of God. You cannot wait until the problems are over to start walking in faith. Because that's just not faith. In verse 15, it says, Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus had instructed them according to the law. Jesus was following protocol, and he said, well, you need to go to the priest. But the Bible says, and, and notice how he, he, Luke is, is, takes a moment to mention, and he was a Samaritan. What an odd thing to say to, to point out his nationality. But he makes sure to say, and he was a Samaritan. And I think there's, there's some detail in that, and there's an importance in that, in that description. Because as the Samaritan is walking, notice the Samaritan wouldn't have been as familiar with the law. Samaritan wouldn't have been as familiar with the whole protocol and the law of Moses and going to the priest and bringing the sacrifice. He didn't know much about that. And so the Samaritan guy is walking just because Jesus told him to go and and to go examine the priest. He's doing what that healer told him to do. And as he's walking, he starts to become cleansed. As he's walking, he starts to become healed. And I can just imagine that this Samaritan has a revelation that is so beyond what he himself could comprehend. And he turns back, you see, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 Jesus himself says do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them and so this man he's walking and he starts to understand oh man this healer he's not just a healer he is the fulfillment of the law he there's something more about him and he stops focusing on the blessing and he starts coming back because he wants to know the one who has blessed him he wants to know the one who has healed him he couldn't care less about protocol he couldn't care less about religiosity he couldn't care less about what other people think this man has been healed and he wants to know the one who did it and so he starts to come back he leaves the path and where he was going, and maybe he went back later because he had to, I guess, to come back to society. But he starts coming back because he doesn't want to miss this. He doesn't want to miss the one who has done a work in his life. Who is this man who has the power to heal? And I'm wondering if some of us have taken the blessings of God and we've made it about religion. 
We've taken the blessings of God and we try to make this picture perfect external facade of look how good my Christian life is. And, and, and there's obedience to it, but there's also some sense of entitlement. There's some sense of pride of, well, I, I walked the road. I did what he told me, so it was only fair that the miracle would come. I, I, I walked in the direction of where Jesus told me to go. I went to church. I, I was in ministry, and so this family that I have now, well, it's a result of how hard I worked and how faithful I was and the job that I have and the, the, the stability that I have and whatever we have. And we take the blessings of God, and we, we give ourselves some credit. Well, it's the obedience that got me here. It's what I did that got me here. And so you don't have what I have because maybe you messed up along the road. Maybe God told you to do something and you messed up. And, but I was faithful and I was obedient. And so whatever I have, and we take the blessings of God. And we focus on the blessing and we completely forget the one who has blessed us. We completely, we go to church and we, we go through the motions and we do the worship and we give of our tithes and we, we maybe even serve in one of the ministries, but we're so focused on the blessings and we're so focused on the, the path of obedience that we forget the one who is speaking. We forget the one who started it all. We forget the one whom it's for. See, Jesus doesn't want a religious showcase. That wasn't the point. Jesus wants a relationship. He wanted it then and he still wants it now. More than our problems, Jesus wants our praise. Jesus wants us to come back. Jesus wants that relationship and he wants to reveal who he truly is. See, this Samaritan, there's, there's, an, there's more layers to it. And as we read the Bible, that's just what it is. It's just full upon layers and layers of just depth of God's love. And this Samaritan, he, on top of having leprosy and being an untouchable and being um, a reject of society, he was a Samaritan, which meant that Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. They, they, they didn't talk. They didn't do life together. They definitely would not care for each other. They wouldn't have relationship or friendship with one another. And so the Samaritan, he goes along with the other group. And then this Jewish healer, maybe he would heal those other guys that are Jewish, but probably not me. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at him, looks at a Samaritan. And so this man comes back, this, this Jesus, not only did he heal me, but, but I'm a Samaritan. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. And yet he completely changed my life. Will we have that attitude today? Will we have that understanding today? That Jesus didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to. The Bible says that he was rich and he made himself poor for our sakes. That through his poverty we could become rich. He didn't have to. Everything that he's done in your life, every blessing that he's poured on you, every door that he has opened for you, every breath that you have in your lungs, he didn't have to. Would we be like the Samaritan? Would we come back to the feet of Jesus absolutely pouring our hearts to him, praising him because he didn't have to. And yet for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none should perish but all should have everlasting life. God, you didn't have to, but yet you have loved me. And you have saved me. Will we praise him? 
It says in verse 17, then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. In other translations, it says your faith has saved you. All along, Jesus wanted to restore his heart. More than his skin, more than his situation, more than his circumstances, Jesus wanted to transform this man's heart. And this morning, God cares about your heart. As you step into 2022, and there's all kinds of circumstances that you want to change in your life, and there's all kinds of requests that we have for God. God, would you just change this? God, would you move in this area of my life? God, would you, would you open some doors? God, would you heal? God, would you reconcile? God, would you fix? And Jesus cares so much about your circumstances, but more than that, he cares about your heart. More than that, he cares about the health of your heart, and he wants to transform you from the inside out and sometimes you have to go through some things for God to work in your life will we step into the new year just saying God this is my life and and yes I have I have requests and yes God I want you to move in my circumstances but may I focus on what you want to do in my heart on how you want to shape me on the character that I am showing to the world, that it may reveal who Jesus is, that Jesus lives in me. Jesus cares about your heart. He doesn't just want to improve your circumstances. He wants to do so much more. And so this man, he comes back and he praises Jesus and Jesus says, your faith has made you well. In Ephesians 3.20, we read, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now, I don't know what happened to the other nine, but I can only imagine what happened to this man. This man who had such a deep encounter with Jesus. This man who was seen by Jesus, cared for by Jesus. This man who understood just a little bit deeper who Jesus was and the power at work in him. God wants to do something infinitely more than what you could ever imagine or request. Will we come to Jesus not just with our problems, but will we come to him with our praise? And today the worship said that Jamil chose for this morning was all about just bringing him praise. Focusing not just on us, but focusing on who he is. And focusing on his power, focusing on his love, and just saying thank you. Our thank you seems so small for the immense work that God has done. And yet he values that. And yet he looks for that. He looks for the praise of man. Because his focus is always in relationship. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I want us to just examine our hearts this morning. Examine our hearts of how we've dealt with the blessings of God in our lives? Have we made it so much about the blessings? Have we made it so much about what God can do for us? Or are we about who God is? Are we about the relationship we have with him? You see, nine were willing to go through a ritual, but only one was willing to praise. Only one was willing to come back to Jesus and say, you didn't have to, but you did. Thank you. And so we're going to worship him, and 
And after we worship, I've invited a few people to just share what God has done in their lives. That this may be a moment, and, and there's not a lot of us here. And so I just, I want this to be a really just genuine moment where we can share of the good things that God has done. And may there be encouragement out of the power of testimony that by you sharing what God has done, not only are you bringing him praise, not only are you giving him the credit for all good and perfect gifts that come from above, but you are encouraging other people that they may hear and say, hey, if he did it in your life, then maybe, just maybe, he could care for me and he could work in me. So let's worship him. I'm going to invite you to stand. God, we want to bring you the praise. We want to bring you our gratitude. We want to say thank you for everything that you have done. God, thank you for being faithful in the difficulties. Thank you for being faithful and present in the struggles. 2021 has been a long year where all of us have endured such different things and gone through such different seasons, Lord, but you have remained the same through it all. You have remained present through it all. And anyone who calls upon your name will never be disappointed, will never be put to shame. God, I thank you that you look at this room and you see us. God, I thank you that when we call out to you, Lord, have mercy on us, that you see me. You see each and every person in this room. You see our hearts. And you are willing to do a work in our lives. God, we give you the praise. We offer up our lives. We say take it all because you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name. See this, this man, it says that it says that they, they, they shouted loudly, unclean, unclean. And then the Bible says that as he went, he was cleansed and he returned and he shouted loudly his praise to God. He was so used to being loud about his problems that when God came through, he was loud about his praise. And so I want to be loud about our praise this morning. Yes, there's a lot of things we want God to do. Yes, there's a lot of things we're going through. But let's be loud about our praise of all the good things he has done and all the things he has yet to do. Amen.